On today's podcast, the Atlanta Hawks fall just short of what would have been a very nice upset win for the Hawks in this spot on a Wednesday. They had a non-timeout that was controversial at the end of the game, as well as a very valiant effort before that. We'll get into all that and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1378 of the Lothan Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And I thank you, as always, for joining us and making us your first listen each and every day. Check out the Lothan Hawks podcast across podcast platforms. I definitely encourage you to do that. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, Odyssey app on the audio-only side. And also, we're on YouTube with every episode, mostly on video. And you can uh, experience the podcast with us each and every day. And basically... This is going to be breaking down what became a narrow one-point loss for the Hawks, a 107 to sorry 108 to 107 final against the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn's now won 10 games in a row, so no inherent shame in losing to the Nets in this spot, especially when you factor in the Hawks were down three starters on this Wednesday evening and also facing the second out of a back-to-back with travel. No Trey Young, no Clint Capella, no DeAndre Hunter, and the Nets had most of their core guys, including their big two in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And the Hawks led for a large portion of this one. It was back and forth, back and forth, and the Hawks had chances at the very end. We will touch on what became a very controversial non-timeout on the final play of the game. I will stress now that was not the only thing to talk about in this game. The Hawks actually played very well. Uh, we will cover that at the end of the podcast, but certainly a topsy-turvy kind of night for Atlanta. Could have been a huge win at the same time. Not really an embarrassing loss either because the Hawks were uh, shorthanded, let's just say, in this one and fighting an uphill battle throughout the contest um, as I said before Brooklyn is uh, rolling they're the hottest team in the league they have a top five offense they're number one in offense during their 10 game winning streak unsurprisingly and the Hawks are now four and eight in the last 12 games uh, when you factor in this loss but uh, you know before the game even started obviously the Nets playing this well is part of the story and they were on normal rest um, they were without Joe, Har- Joe Harris in this game but still uh, largely healthy otherwise and the Hawks were uh, beat up we'll say Clint Capella is still out for Atlanta. He was ruled out on the initial injury report with a calf strain, uh, his second game that he's missed in a row in like the five, you know, five or six of the last seven. Um, DeAndre Hunter also ruled out by David Millen before the game, so already down the same two guys the Hawks were down on Tuesday. And then Trey Young, who had been listed as questionable coming into the day with the left calf contusion that cost him the last few minutes on Tuesday night, he ended up not playing as well. So the Hawks did have Bogdanovich and Jalen Johnson, who were both listed as questionable. They ended up going, so the Hawks weren't totally underwater when it came to the roster. But just let's just be clear, the best player on the team is not playing in Trey. The best defender on the team is not playing in Clint. And also the best wing defender on the roster uh, in, in a matchup against Kevin Durant was out as well with Hunter. So obviously that is a challenge for a team that already has depth issues, as I've covered in depth the last couple of uh, weeks and months. The Hawks do not have a ton of depth on this roster. And uh, with all that said, Atlanta was a seven-and-a-half-point underdog, according to Ben Online, in this game. And that was the right that was the right number. Obviously, the Hawks were not supposed to win this one on paper, uh, given the back-to-back, given the talent, given the Nets' play recently, and all of that. And the Hawks obviously covered quite easily in this game and honestly could have won at the very, very end. So a pretty impressive effort through that lens. At any rate, we'll get into the game itself now. And the Hawks had some chances early on to kind of break it up a little bit. The fact they were rolling on offense at the start – 
Um, they ended up starting Aaron Holiday and A.J. Griffin with Bogdanovich going back to the bench in this game. Holiday was obviously deployed to defend Kyrie Irving. That makes a lot of sense. And by the way, he played quite well, I thought, in this game. Aaron Holiday did. Um, Kyrie did make him fall in the first few minutes of the game. It had a big game, but still wasn't like it was. Uh, Aaron was really struggling too badly. And I think it was pretty clear, even pregame, that the reason why Bogdanovich did not start was because they wanted to have him kind of anchor that second unit. That was definitely the case if you watched the game kind of throughout. Um, Collins had a good game, especially at the outset. He had seven of the first nine points for the Hawks in this game. Also had some foul trouble, uh, some not great officiating toward the Hawks at times in this one. I'm not exactly the biggest officiating guy, but there was uh, some questionable decisions along the way in this game. The Hawks did score 19 points in the first 13 possessions. That's a very good ratio. And uh, they definitely were making three, three balls early in this game and not turning the ball over really at all. But they were only, only up by three points as Brooklyn was rolling on offense in their own right. I thought DeJounte Murray was much more active and engaged. He didn't shoot the ball well in this one, but he was definitely more locked in than he was on Tuesday when he had a pretty uh, un, uncharacteristically bad game against the Pacers. Um, rotationally, it was Jalen Johnson coming in for Collins with the first foul trouble that he had at the outset. He was guarding Kevin Durant pretty heavily in this one. They didn't make a lot, actually, any more subs for non-foul-related issues until pretty late in the first quarter because the Hawks were playing well. And they went to bogey. It was Trent Forrest to come back in rotation in this game, played in both halves. And then Justin Holiday played briefly in the first half and then did not return And they, as they went to a shorter rotation after halftime. It's been sort of a, uh, a trademark of Nates in recent days. The Hawks did lose, though, three points kind of in a strange way um, like six full minutes after the shot happened, uh, Griffin, as you, Griffin hit a three like midway through the first quarter. It was called a three on the floor, etc. And uh, part of the NBA rules is that, uh, and basically, if there's not a stoppage, the replay center can review a play, and then when it finally gets to a stoppage, they can sort of correct that. And uh, in that instance, it was ruled to be Griffin was out of bounds, so it wasn't even like a three turns into a two. It was a three turns into zero points. And that was a big swing, obviously, in a game that ended up being the Hawks losing by one point. Um, I did not see the replay. I have to trust that they've got that one right. But uh, yeah, anyway, that was one that was kind of tough to take for some Hawks fans. They were down by one at the end of the first quarter after, after a sort of a Kevin Durant flurry. Uh, I thought KD was kind of in total command when he was playing in this one. Um, I thought the Hawks did a decent job on him, to be fair. It wasn't like the Hawks did anything wrong. Is that Durant is so difficult to defend basically, especially without Hunter and without an ideal candidate to defend Durant in this spot. But the Nets were shooting the ball well. The Hawks were shooting the ball well, at least better in the first quarter. And the cooled off later on, as we'll get to. But uh, rotation-wise, no Kaminsky in this one, um, even without Capella. That's the right decision. They use Collins as the backup center. And against the Nets, quite frankly, there's nowhere to put Kaminsky. Um, the, the Nets do have, they have a couple of non-shooters on the floor, sometimes with Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton. But uh, Kaminsky is much better against a more traditional center, and the Nets don't really play a traditional center outside of Claxton, who's just more athletic than he would than he would like to defend and kind of be around. Uh, oh, and Claxton was awesome in this game. 17 points, 10 rebounds, and 6 blocks for the Nets. At any rate, though, nine guys play, and the Hawks had a huge run. Their best run of the game was actually early in the second quarter. It included a beautiful spin move by Joe, by Joe Johnson for a nice finish. Also a dunk by Bogdanovich in tradition after a block shot by Justin Holiday. And then after a timeout, Collins and Johnson scored again in the paint. Jalen had 12 points in the first half, and the Hawks were up by 12 after, after that big run happened. They went back to Murray and Okongwu after that and stayed with Collins, actually, for, with three fouls for a while, which I was actually kind of encouraged by. But the Hawks really dominated the non-Kevin Durant minutes in that first half. They were plus 12 in that stretch. And at one point, mid-second quarter, the Hawks had back-to-back threes by Bogey, and they are up by 15 points. So up 15, 
was pretty shocking, actually, given all of the roster stuff that I talked about before. There were some um, sort of givebacks at the end of the first half, a couple of silly three-shot fouls. Jalen tried to jump with Duran on one that was a bad decision, and then Griffin kind of overclosed down on a three-pointer against Patty Mills for another foul. That's six points that were uh, they obviously could have used in this game. I didn't look also that Collins never came back in the game at the end of the first half. They put only 11 minutes in the first half. Part of that was fouls, but uh, I thought they probably should have gone back to him at the end of the half as well. But still, Hawks were up by seven points, and I wasn't trying to frame it negatively, but I said that on Twitter. Like, they were up by 15 points before that. So being up by seven was a mild letdown given the context. Obviously, pregame, if you told me the Hawks were up by seven at the half, it would have been an awesome result. But they, they were up by 15 points with like four minutes to go in the half. So they lost the last four minutes by about eight points. That was uh, kind of bit them, but still, they were really balanced in the first half with six guys with seven points or more, um, one turnover before halftime. That was excellent as well. And defensively, as we'll get back to later on, the Hawks were not perfect in this game defensively, but they were much, much better than they were on Tuesday. And that was all part of the uh, the smorgasbord in this spot for Atlanta. All right, we'll get back in the second half of this game. And there's plenty to discuss at the end of the podcast, I promise you. But before we get to all of that stuff, a word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Looking for DFS option this year? Check out the warming app at Prize Picks. Prize Picks and Daily Fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know that you will too. It's so very easy to use. I can vouch for that. I've been playing on Prize Picks for quite some time now, including the last couple of days on the NBA side, and really enjoying the process at Prize Picks. All you have to do is pick two to six players and choose whether they actually have more or less than a certain number of points, or rebounds, or assists, or fantasy numbers, etc. And Prize Picks went up to twenty-five times on your entry. Twenty-five times. That's a lot of times, basically. Prospects offers numbers on any, any sport you might enjoy as well beyond the NBA. They have college football and college basketball. They have the NFL, MLB, PGA, soccer, esports, and more. And an entire interview could be done in just a minute or less. It's that easy and that fast. Plus, it's just you. It's projected numbers. It's really straight ahead and easy to understand. Prospects also has safe, safe and fast withdrawals, and they're operating in more than 30 states plus Canada at this point. Download the app at prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users also get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. Do not forget that promo code. It's locked on at sign up for the instant deposit match up to $100. One more time, promo code Locked On. Check it out now at Price Picks. After halftime, the Hawks were uh, dwindling a little bit when it came to the scoreboard. So as I mentioned before the break, the Hawks were up by 15 points mid-second quarter, and it was only seven at the half. That was the first part of the leakage. Then... Brooklyn got it to one pretty fast. It was actually a 23 to nine run overall from the Hawks being up by 15 to being up by one. The Hawks only had four points in the first four and a half minutes or so of the second half. They were two of 13 from the floor and that did not stabilize for a little while. Um, and it's tied at mid quarter. The rotation was more like what the Hawks plan. I think without the foul, foul trouble, it was bogey then Jalen then forest briefly, but only an eight guy eight man rotation in the second half of this game. It was a nice steal by Aaron Holiday, actually a pickpocket of Kevin Durant from the weak side, and he saved it to Jalen Johnson in full stride for a dunk in transition. That was actually an awesome play by both parties. But generally speaking, the offense, um, basically the, the theme of the third quarter was the Hawks just couldn't score, and that was unfortunate. Defensively, the Hawks were pretty good, even I thought, in the third quarter. They weren't like uh, lighting the world on fire, but they were totally fine. But unfortunately, they were a minus 10 in that quarter because they could not score. 17 points in the period. There were seven of 21 on two-point attempts. That's 33% on twos. That's a rock-bottom number. They were 0 of 6 on threes. Obviously bad there. They were also 3 of 7 at the free-throw line. Also bad there. They took a lot of floaters and mid-range shots. I thought that was the one time in the whole game the Hawks kind of stopped attacking um, with their bigs as much as they probably should have in the third quarter. Um, even, with, even with that said, the Hawks just had some bad shot-making in that third period as well. But again, 17 points 
when you only have two turnovers and you know nothing really bad, like horrible, I should say, process-wise, just miss a bunch of shots, floaters, mid-rangers, etc. And the Hawks were down by three points as a result. Now, the game was not over. As we'll get back to, the Hawks were right in this thing in the fourth quarter, but the third quarter is where the offense kind of cratered, and uh, that was why the Hawks' offense for the, for the entire game was not pretty in the numbers. It did feel like coming out of the third quarter break, the Hawks were going to have to score in a big way early in the fourth with KD on the bench. But uh, unfortunately, Kyrie Irving had it going. He scored eight straight points in a 12-2 run by the Nets. And the Hawks were down by 13 again with nine minutes to go. Now, again, that's a total and utter roller coaster ride. The Hawks were up, up by 15 mid-second quarter, and they were down by 13 with nine minutes to go in the fourth. There was one stretch by Jalen Johnson that was kind of ugly when he had a, a turnover against the uh, – basically the Nets were kind of ignoring him completely as a shooter. Uh, but he wasn't alone by any means. The Hawks, again, still building on the third quarter struggles. At one point, were 7 of 31 from the field in the second half. They had 19 points in like 16 and a half minutes. Just a really, really rough stretch. And uh, overall, there was a 52 to 24 run by the Nets to go from down 15 – to up 13. And uh, honestly, if the Hawks had given up there and kind of let go of the rope, I would not have been shocked given just the swing that happened there. But to their credit, and again, I'll probably say that later on as well, the Hawks played well in this game. They had a 10-0 run right after that that got them back into the game, back into the game basically. Down only by three with six minutes to go. Um, Kyrie definitely got it going once again. Uh, he's definitely he's difficult to stop. I'm not the biggest Kyrie guy in the world by any means, but uh, when he has it going on offense, he is essentially difficult or maybe even impossible to stop, as is Kevin Durant. So that's what makes the Nets very dangerous. The Hawks did get three stops in a row after that to get back into the into the mix there. Um, they had a big swing, I thought, with about three and a half minutes to go when DeJounte missed about a 12-footer that would cut the lead to two. And then the, then the, then the Nets scored with Kyrie on the other end of the floor to go back down by six. But still, the Hawks weren't right there again. Bogey kind of took a pretty bad shot after a timeout and made it, made it fortunately for the Hawks. But uh, the Nets kind of responded. There was lots of back and forth. Honestly, there was a lot of haymakers in a good way at the end of the, at the end of regulation. Um, Bogey made that big shot. Kyrie makes shots. Uh, John Collins had a nice couple of buckets against Kevin Durant one on one, and then Durant would answer it with his own bucket. Again, Durant is so, so tough to stop. Um, Aaron Holiday forced a miss on Kyrie. Actually, made a three. A great stretch there from Aaron to tie the game with a huge three pointer. Uh, again, Durant and Collins. Alternating shots. Durant finally made one uh, that the Hawks could not answer when DeJounte missed a, a layup. It wasn't like a fun layup. It was a kind of a bunny that hung on the rim forever, it felt like. And it just did not fall in. That was a big swing that allowed the Nets to get the rebound, call timeout, and the Hawks were down by two with 47 seconds to go. Now, they got the huge stop they had to have. That was a big play. Uh, Murray got to the line after a scramble for the ball and had a chance to tie the game with 30 seconds to go and missed a free throw. And that was a theme of this game of the Hawks. They're just not, they're not good enough at the line in this one. They, though, they were down by one with 30 seconds to play and a full shot clock for the Nets. So that's where we get into the interesting stuff with the timeout, non-timeout discussion that we'll dive into in a second. But um, long story short, the Nets played it very well. Now, with the lead, Kyrie took a kind of a bad shot. If that was a regulation spot in the second quarter, I would have noted that as a bad shot for Kyrie, but he wasted the entire shot clock and took a contested three over Aaron Holiday. If he makes it to go up by four, the game's over, basically. If he misses it, the Hawks have a chance, but with about four and a half, five seconds to go, and that's what happened. He missed it, um, and uh, in the blink of an eye, DeJounte Murray is getting up the potential game winner from about 30 feet and missing it. So, 
<laughs> that's the short version. Now, the longer version is everyone in unison almost, both in, in Atlanta, people nationally. I got lots of unsolicited texts for people around the league, agents, uh, people that cover teams, etc. I'm not just making this up. It was a flurry in response, knowing that I was covering the game, of course. Um, everyone thought this should have been a timeout from the Hawks, and I am on that side. It's where we're with this. So here's how we'll talk about it. I would have liked going without a timeout if the Hawks had time to do that. But they had two timeouts. And as I mentioned before, Kyrie played it perfectly and shot the ball at the end of the shot clock. And the Hawks got the rebound with five seconds to go um, and had to go the full length of the court. Now, they're only down by one. but And there is an argument, as we'll get into in a second, for going quickly against a team that's not set and their offensive personnel is on the floor. Like Ben Simmons, not, on the, not, not in the game at the very end of the game, for instance. But with four and a half, five seconds to go, I think you have to call time out there because you don't have time to kind of go through any options at all. Yes, the Nets could have had a total breakdown and just left somebody wide open. But the timing is that you have to go so fast that you can't really take advantage. Well, like, like even two passes would have been too long. So that's where I am on this. I think that the Hawks should have called timeout. Um, I saw people like talking about how Nate has to be fired for this. It's one play. It's bad. I think that they should have called timeout. No question about that. Um, predictably, Nate, after the game, I don't have the video for you. My apologies, but I will, I will summarize it now. He basically said they wanted they, he wanted them to go fast and that they wanted to catch Brooklyn um, without their best personnel and that they thought they might be able to have that happen. And look, mindset-wise, that does make sense. In a vacuum, I want to stress, in a vacuum, it does make sense, but this is not a vacuum. They did not have enough time. If it had been eight seconds even, I would have said, all right, I kind of get it. But process-wise, it was not great because you don't have time to do that, in my opinion. Results-wise, having, yes, they got a shot to the rim. Murray could have made it, but that's like a 15% shot. It was contested. It was a 30-footer. Um, you know, It's not going to go in very often. And also, you're taking a three down by one. If they were down by three, and that's the shot that you get to tie the game, like, okay, it's not the worst shot in the world. But down by one, for that to be the shot you get, because and you had two timeouts, too. Now, this is a, a small differentiator. But even if the Hawks called timeout and didn't have the look they wanted out of that timeout, they had another one to take if they wanted to. And that happened a couple of games ago. Of course, the AJ Griffin game winner, when they had Trey throwing the ball in, they had another timeout. They called it, got Jalen to throw the ball in, et cetera, and they win the game. Now, it's never, it's not always that easy, but they had two even. So uh, I don't want to make this entire podcast about that because I, I, I saw a lot of the reactions um, after the game and they were a little bit, you know, a little bit too strong for my liking, honestly. But let me be clear. I, I did not like them not calling a timeout at all. I said it immediately on Twitter before people even saw it uh, on the TV feed. If you were watching on streaming, uh, I was reacting in real time and I really hated it. Uh, and that, that I still stand by that. I think it was a bad process. It was a bad result. Yeah. So, I mean, there's stuff that you, you can get into, but like, I just don't think that it was well thought enough. I think if you're Nate McMillan and you've been doing this for a long time, you got to know, like, there's a a number in your head in terms of how many seconds have to be on the clock to not call timeout. And I think that number is a lot higher than four or five where they had the ball. If it's eight, if it's 10, if it's 12, whatever it's going to be, if they got the stop earlier, if they got a live ball turnover or something, sure. But given that you're only down by one, given the personnel and all that stuff, I think they had to call timeout and they didn't do it. And that shouldn't overshadow what became a positive game for the Hawks. And we'll get into that in a second because there is plenty to talk about in a positive light from this one, despite a loss. But, um, Obviously, it will, it will be the lead topic. I know it was on Twitter after the game. That's unfortunate, as we'll get into in a second, because the Hawks did play well. But um, I get it. And, uh, you know, no, no one play loses you a game. 
but I, I would have liked to see the, the Hawks call timeout there, advance the ball, and see what happens. And maybe they uh, maybe they steal this one, but in the end, they didn't do that. And uh, that's all I have on that topic for right now. Before we get into my takeaways from the night in terms of the team side as well as the individual player breakdowns, it were from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online, and the NBA is, of course, the main topic on this podcast. Things are very, very busy as 2022 comes to a close. 2023 is almost here, and there is also plenty of stuff beyond the basketball world, football, hockey, soccer, other action going on in the sports world. And the action really never stops at BetOnline, and BetOnline is the number one source for your wagering information as well as your stats and your news this season. Get the latest odds and trends for every pro and college league out there. Beyond the big ones that I talked about earlier, like basketball and football, they have esports and golf and tennis, auto racing, horse racing, entertainment bets, props, etc. And but line is also very useful engaging the Hawks. They have the every single game kind of odds, um, you know, spreads, totals, money lines, props, etc. Plus they have the futures market covered on the division side, conference odds, title odds, individual award odds, and more. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way. Get your sports betting fix. And if you like sports podcasts, find those as well at Bet Online. Check out Bet Online right now on your mobile device or your computer. Check out more about all the trends and the action in the sports world. Bet Online, where the game starts. So I want to say this now, and then we'll get into the specifics. I thought this is a valiant effort from the Hawks, and not in a like tap your, you know, pat you on the head kind of way. The Hawks played well in this game. The third quarter offense was a problem, as we'll, as we'll sort of remind you about in a second. But this is not going to make anybody happy. But this is not one that you want to hang your head, your hang your head about if you're the Hawks. They were underdogs for a reason. They were playing the Nets, who are rolling right now without three guys. And look, the Hawks roster tonight is like a 25-1 team. Maybe 30. I don't want to be too pejorative. Like, they have some good players, obviously. Jante Murray, John Collins, McDonavich, Kongwu, et cetera. But the depth, the you know, the lack of this you know, super high-end talent besides DeJounte and John, all that stuff. The Hawks are not a playoff team as they're constructed tonight, let's just say. Um, and they're doing that on a back-to-back against a good team. And they were really right there. And again, they, they could have folded down 13 with nine minutes to go, I thought it was probably close to over at that stage, given all the energy they did and the back-to-back and having heavy legs, et cetera. And they came back all the way to have a real chance down the stretch. They tied the game a few times, and uh, there you go. Anyway, the offense was largely good. The third quarter was not, obviously. Um, they had a 111 offensive rating, which I think, honestly, without Trey, you kind of have to take that. Um the Nets are not great defensively. But they're not. They're not bad either. They're actually number one in the league in block shots. They're number one in the league in two point shooting allowed. Like they have some strengths. They're not fantastic, but that's uh, not a terrible defense by any means. Um, there were some shortcomings though. The Hawks missed seven free throws in this game, fifteen to twenty-two. Now that's not totally horrific, but it's sub seventy percent. And uh, without without Capella as an obviously bad free throw shooter, the Hawks shouldn't ever miss seven like that. And uh, it was kind of everybody. Collins missed two. McConnell missed three. Murray missed one that was huge on the stretch. Bogdanovich missed one. And he, he never does that. So it wasn't like it was one guy. The Hawks just didn't make free throws at the, at the level that they usually do, which definitely bit them. They also shot 46% on two-point attempts. That's tough. Um, a lot of mid-rangers, a lot of floater range shots. There were 10 of 34 on twos outside the rim area. So that's sub 30%. That will get you beat. It's just what it is. You have to make shots. They were not bad looks. But Murray himself uh, was 10 of 26 from the floor in this game. AJ Griffin was two of seven on twos. Um, they had some sh- some shaky shot making. Uh, Bogey was two of seven on twos. They just didn't have uh, guys who could make shots. They just didn't necessarily bury them in this game. On the other side, on the more positive side, the Hawks did exactly what they had to do as an undermanned team in winning on the margins. 
The Hawks had four turnovers in this game. Four in a 48-minute basketball game. That is exactly what you would want to try to pull an upset with a team that has a lot less talent than your opponent. They also won the rebounding battle, not in a way that they had, like they did in the turnover battle, but they, had, they, they did a good job in the glass in this game on both ends of the floor. The end result was taking 14 more shots from the floor and five more free throws in the Nets. And again, the Nets shot a lot better than the Hawks did. A lot better. And usually, if a team shoots a lot better than you, you're going to w- lose by more than one point. But because the Hawks did such a good job on the margins with everything, they were right in the mix because they did all that and had extra shots. The te- these, two te- these two teams had the exact same amount of field goals in the game, 42. But the Hawks needed 15 more attempts to get to 42 than the Nets did. Uh, so there you go. That explains kind of what was happening there. The Hawks were not a shot-making force in this game without Trey, which makes sense. No Trey, that's part of the mix here. But they did a lot of things well, and they played well overall. Defensively, it wasn't pretty all the way through. And look, the Hawks don't really have a lot of answers for Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Not that anybody does when Kyrie in, in particular and Kevin Durant in particular are really going at a high level. They're uniquely difficult to, to defend. Kyrie, with all of his uh, all of his ball handling and playmaking, Katie with his sheer length and his high release point, what are you going to do? But putting that to the side, the Hawks did a good job defensively in this game, I thought overall. Uh, compared to Tuesday night when it was just horrific, honestly, in, in Indiana for most of the amount of, on the perimeter, it was much better here. They rebounded well. The Nets only had 22 assists, um, but they just shot the heck out of the ball. The Nets were really good from the floor, as usual. They're number one in the league field goal percentage. They're number one in the league three-point percentage. It was all That all stacked up in this game. The Hawks, again, did a good job. Otherwise, um, the, I think the guys that kind of bit Atlanta was uh, Nick Claxton, 17-10 and 10 on nine shot attempts just around the rim. But it was really KD and Kyrie doing KD and Kyrie things on the stretch to kind of beat the Hawks. And you have to tip a cap at some point with regard to all that. All right, to the players. Uh, the Hawks only played nine guys and only eight of them in the second half. And even then, Trent Forrest played very little. It was basically a seven-man rotation in the second half for the most part. Uh, Justin Holiday and Trent Forrest. Holiday actually was plus 14 in his eight minutes. That is because he was on the floor for that um, that big run in, this, in the second quarter when the Nets were playing without KD and Kyrie. Holiday wasn't fantastic. He had two assists and a block shot. This is only three-point attempts of the game. He did it fine. He did a fine job. He was fine. Uh, just kind of a plug and play. Like he wasn't like responsible for the plus 14. Just one of those things. Uh, Trent Forrest did a fine job as well. Two assists, two rebounds, and two points in 10 minutes. Um, plug and play there. But obviously, it's valuable to have a two-way guy who's playable, and he is for sure. Uh, Jalen Johnson had an up and down game. It was actually he matches career high with 14 points, uh, six rebounds as well, had a block. Um, second half, kind of have a couple of spots where you're reminded where he's not going to get guarded like he probably needs to. Jalen's got to get better as a shooter to be maximized in the future as a prospect. But he also has some nice moments in this game. Defensively, he had to guard Kevin Durant. That's tough. KD made him look silly a few times, but that's going to happen to everybody, basically, including Collins, including Kawu, and whoever else that had him in this game. Uh, Jalen played okay. Just had a couple of shortcomings that were exposed at some bad times. Bogey, um, a mixed bag, 14 points, three assists. Did have uh, three three-pointers three in this game. Uh, two seven on twos is not what you want, but uh, and then defensively he has some shortcomings as well. But he played fine, I thought, off the bench. Um, to the starters, Aaron Holiday played great, I thought. Uh, Ten points, three assists, three rebounds, had a steal, um, only seven shot attempts, but was uh, efficient on those. Uh, obviously, he didn't shut down Kyrie by any means, but Kyrie was somewhat in check in the first half. Second half, he went 
nuts, but that's what happens. I thought Aaron Holiday was a positive in this game. And honestly, the Hawks needed someone to do what he did, and he was able to do that in an effective way. Um, AJ Griffin struggled. He was probably the only guy on the Hawks roster that I think was like pretty bad by his normal standard. Um, four points on 10 shots for AJ, two of seven on twos, 0 3 from three. Had two, two assists and two steals, uh, at least active there, one turnover. It was minus 16 in the game. Um, that's not really his fault necessarily, but um, he was just not particularly effective. He's uh, over the course of the back-to-back, I think he was six of 20 from the floor. That's tough to overcome. And then defensively, he was really rough on Tuesday. He was better tonight for sure than he was in Indiana defensively, but not his best work necessarily. Um, the front court guys are really good. Collins and Kongwu did a lot of good things in this game. Kongwu, 18 points, 13 rebounds, three blocks, a couple of huge blocks in this game. Uh, seven offensive rebounds for Onyeka, which is more than the Nets had as a team. Defensive glass wasn't his strength as usual, but he was fine. Um did miss six shots there on the rim and three free three throws, so not quite as efficient as usual from him, but he was still very effective, I thought, overall in this game. Collins, same thing. 21 points, eight rebounds, and a block. and was plus seven in his 34 minutes. Five of eight on twos. One of th- – sorry, no, seven of eight. Sorry, wrong math. I'm bad at math right now. Seven of 13 on twos. One of three on threes. Four of six from the free throw line, and I thought Collins uh, did a good job overall. The, free, the foul trouble early on was pretty maddening. He was frustrated by that. I think I was too by the officiating uh, against him in particular in this one, but he was not. Uh, he was obviously played well overall. There was one quibble late I, I saw from somebody that I trust about that I, that I won't name about like why Collins was defending Durant down the stretch instead of a Kongwu. I would have gone to a Kongwu too. I think Kong was a little bit better at Durant in particular defending than Collins, but it was like Collins did a bad job either. And he also scored on Durant twice in a row down the stretch. Um, last thing on the individual side was DeJounte Murray. Uh, kind of a weird one for him. 24 points, nine rebounds, eight assists. Those are obviously productive numbers and Without Trey Young, the Hawks now have a luxury to have a legitimately proven number one guy in Murray to run their offense. That is very, very helpful. And uh, aside from the better without Trey stuff without, with, that I was here, I'm not even going like, to like, dignify that. Obviously, the Hawks are not better without Trey Young. It's pretty obvious to me. I get all that. Anyway, that's the side. Murray just didn't make a lot of shots. He was 24 points on 28 shooting possessions. That's not what you want. He was only 9 of 22 on twos. That's a very bad number from two-point range. One of four from three. And uh, just some high profile ones, like the layup that he had that fell off, not really his fault. Some, you know, 12 footers that he just kind of missed around the rim, had the free throw late that would have tied the game that he missed. So it was a, uh, he played 40 minutes. Obviously, there's a huge workload there having to play. He was defending Durant at the outset of this game because they just didn't have a guy that they wanted to play on him um, at the start. So, all that said, I thought Murray did okay, was much better than he was on Tuesday. He wasn't like excellent either, um, but took a, took a huge playmaking load on in this game as kind of their only primary shot creator that was available and played 40 minutes as a result of that. I thought he played well, just wasn't quite his A-plus game, and uh, that was part of the reason why the Hawks didn't have, didn't have quite enough to get over the top offensively at the end. All right, so in summary, I'll say, the Hawks played well enough to win. The Hawks, I think... Any like rational discussion of this game, put the timeout thing to the side. The Hawks played as well as you could have expected them to play, given the roster. Down three guys, defensively they competed, offensively they did enough, except for the third quarter. And uh, really, I think that this is a night where Hawks fans, in a vacuum about the team performance, can't really be upset about the, about the way they played. Obviously, the non-timeout is frustrating. I don't blame anybody for being mad about that. 
I've said now several times I want to call a timeout, and that's frustrating. It's it's unfortunate that's the way this game had to end because this really probably should have been a more celebratory night about the Hawks' performance, which is why I'm kind of trying to do that. The Hawks did play well, and they were really valiant in this one, but it wasn't quite enough, and the Hawks fall below 500. Um, once again at this point, as they have one more game in 2022. That game is on Friday. The Hawks host the Lakers. The Lakers are not playing well, and the Lakers are shorthanded. So L.A. lost to Miami tonight. They're, they have to come from Miami on Wednesday. Um, sorry, tonight into uh, Thursday before they play on Friday. Uh, no AD for the Lakers. They're obviously not very good without him. LeBron is still there, of course. We'll see if he plays on Thursday. But uh, Sorry, on Friday. But that is the last game of 2022. And the Hawks have a chance to get back to 500 if they win that one. Um, we'll see. Uh, no show in between now and then, barring a uh, unexpected news event. And of course, we'll jump in from there. But still nine episodes over the last two weeks. So hopefully that's enough content for you over the holiday season. I appreciate everybody diving into the podcast. And I really do appreciate all of the support in general. I will ask, though, a couple of things. One, I'm writing again at patreon.com slash btroland. If you're interested in all of that, there's a way to support that at patreon.com slash btroland. But uh, more importantly on the podcast, please, if you have a Hawks fan friend or two or a friend group or a text chain or whatever, please share the podcast with them. They may not love it. I, I understand that. Trust me, I do. But hopefully we can grow the podcast together. And I appreciate everyone getting the word out about the show as we get into a new year coming up in the very near future. Have them subscribe and auto-download and rate, review, all that fun stuff as well. Uh, steal the phone of someone else that you know and have that have that done in the uh, in the near future. I do appreciate all that stuff. Please follow the show on Twitter as well, at Lothon Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll see you after the game on Friday.